well highlights his big three documents. They're, they're very coherent with each other. Evangelii Gaudium is a kind of manifesto for his papacy. It, it remains a very important document. Uh, now it speaks about ad extra mission of the church and ad intra mission of the church uh, terminology. But basically, the church in the world and what it wants, wants to say, including to non-Christians, and then internal matters to the church. Now, the, uh, certainly a highlight as well as Evangelii Gaudium, it becomes Laudato Si on the environment, where he's speaking to the world. It's this ad extra mission. So that's a great success. I could have spoken more about how it continues to have an impact in the, wor- in the world, certainly an ecological reflection. Then Amoris Laetitia is the ad intra um, uh, document, the product of this long set period of synods uh, and addressing this very thorny issue of, of married life, uh, amongst other things, or you know, breakdown of married life and uh, families that are in the particular situations, not your classic mother-father uh, children. So those highlights, certainly those three um, areas, highlights his, uh, the G8 or the G9, this process of curial reform which is underway. Um, I find that very impressive. Uh, highlights his appointment of bishops and cardinals. As um, the, I do think there's going to be a time-based process here where uh, you, we really have to get a new generation of, of leaders that understand the depth of what Pope Francis is about. So these appointment of leaders are important. Low lights. Well, I, I don't disagree with Mary McAleese. Um, child protection could have gone faster, I think. I, could, I can recognize that, although I am aware of a lot of the positives that are happening. And they're a bit connected to the activities in the Gregorian University, connecting with dioceses around the world. But anyway, there are low lights there. I can accept that things haven't moved fast enough on child protection. The treatment of women in the church, uh, we're still waiting, uh, even for those of us that agree with the theology of a male priesthood. Uh, we can be very impatient and angry with the, the lack of insight that it has been going along with patriarchal attitudes, misogyny, uh, in a way that is not connected to the, what is best in the theology of the uh, the sacraments. So we still wait for action there. I think the problems in many ways lie with resistance to Pope Francis. And the art of kind of, the art of being a change manager, at what pace is the church going to be able to shift, having been so much in a different place until recently? Yes, I wanted to ask you a bit about that. Has he made many enemies in the Curia? It appears that apart from the blog posts that are written about him in the Western world, which are vicious beyond vicious, it does appear that his own cardinals and some of the Curia are not behind the door in criticising him to his face and behind his back. Well, I'm sure that's true. Well, behind his back, I mean, the remarkable thing is some of them are, uh, you know, in front of his nose, uh, so to speak, uh, going public on these things. There is resistance, uh, at least in Episcopal conferences in different countries of the world. It's very clear. Uh, the, there, of course, there's resistance in Rome. But I would stress that there's a shift. Every passing year helps. He is reorganizing the Curia. And uh, for the most part, I see very positive results. We're familiar with maybe the financial reorganization we've heard more about and some of the basic child protection measures 
this G8 of a, a group of advisors. Perhaps people are less familiar with the other kind of organizations. Uh, he reorganized a set of departments that had to do with laity, uh, life and family, all into one new group. Uh, similarly, justice, uh, peace and justice has been reorganized uh, to include a various set of activities. The, that's, it's kind of not obvious to people, perhaps, but that is a streamlining of the structure in the Vatican to fit the vision of Pope Francis. And it'll take time, it's settling in, but there are people in responsibility who I meet who really get it and are very happy to cooperate with the vision as they exercise their function within the, this changed structure. So it's a mixed story, but obviously we know that there is opposition and the, the press is, is fairly accurate on that, I believe. And just on a world stage, he has not been behind the door. He went to the US and was quite critical when he addressed them there in terms of his critique of an unbridled capitalism. He's worked with the Cuban government. He went to Myanmar. He certainly seems to hold respect as somebody making a difference in politically with a small p in the world stage. Oh, I believe so. Absolutely. You know, that's not where his problem is. <laughs> His problem could be more within the Catholic Church, let's face it. Uh, no, there's, there's a great deal of respect. And remember some of the diplomatic successes. Uh, Cuba, there was a shift of, of something that happened there. His orientation to Asia is a prophetic one, I believe. And you know, there's not much Christianity in most countries in Asia, but his attention there, I believe, has been well appreciated. Possible shifts in relations with China seem to be on the cards now. And this would be another product of, of the diplomatic success of his uh, papacy. And then the environment, uh, as I say, the who knows what the re real reality is with the United States now uh, backing away from environmental issues. But the Laudato Si' influence on the Paris Climate Change Agreement was a real influence, considerable success. I believe that is ongoing and that that is a part of the, the fruit of his papacy. He will be coming to Ireland, it is hoped, um, in August for the World Meeting of Families. Will he make that journey? I asked a cardinal this very question, uh, suddenly enough. I don't mean to be dropping names, uh, but uh, the um, Cardinal Baldessari, who's in charge of the Synod process, very connected, therefore, to Amoris Laetitia, um, I had occasion to meet him, asked him about the coming visit. Uh, in the light of tensions that, that are evident in the media uh, regarding the Catholic Church, regarding Pope Francis, he said, well, he wouldn't know how to comment on, on a lot of the details, but he said, look, Pope Francis, as Archbishop Bergoglio, lived in Argentina at a time when all sorts of uh, referendums were held, or at least laws were passed uh, against church preference, including abortion, I think. So he found a way of staying positive through all of this. He, he doesn't get too caught up with the immediate reversals that would seem to be happening at the, at the level of law passing. Uh, that he's very focused on a kind of a core message which involves an effort to engage culture, to, to help people recognize the positives, these themes of mercy, of love, of, of community, care for the poor. He tries to sort of keep to the high ground and has certainly in his Argentine life, was able to exercise remarkable success even in circumstances where there was a lot of kind of negative uh, co news coverage and 
setbacks uh, in, in terms of what decisions government were making. Like, he'll keep his eye on the positives and is not too worried about particular negatives that might be happening. For example, well, the abortion referendum that it was, would, would, may have been decided, etc. In terms of Pope Benedict, he's certainly been giving him warm wishes. Yes, uh, this goes back to that uh, book presentation that I was at yesterday. It was remarkable because there was a message read out from Pope Benedict which said that uh, I approve these books on the theology of Pope Francis, I admire Pope Francis, and any of those who say that Pope Francis is inadequate in his theology by comparison with me are communicating a stupid prejudice. Very strong words. Prejudizio stolto, he said. So he said there is an interior continuity between my papacy and that of Pope Francis. I found that remarkable. Uh, I say I've been tending to emphasize difference because there's a shift of method, I believe. But the interior continuity that Pope Benedict is recognizing is, of course, the essential one of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also of basic doctrines, basic teaching that that, uh, they're trying to communicate. So if that's the positive, in a sense, that he would say that, felt the need to say that, does indicate to me that um, something I felt I noticed in the other speakers at the book presentation yesterday, the question of resistance to Pope Francis is a question of concern for those close to Pope Francis and who are supporting him. So that's just the story in the church at the moment. There's still everything to play for in the pontificate of Francis. And finally, how is he looking? He's... 81, maybe coming up on 82, and you would see him around. Is he full of energy and able to keep going for a foreseeable time ahead? Yes, I believe so. I certainly have heard nothing of, uh, of any worries about his health. He's been very active. At the same time, he seems to know how to govern his energies a little bit. He takes rests after his visits abroad, etc., So I'm hopeful. It's just impossible to predict the future, of course. But could we hope for another three years of Pope Francis? I think it would be immensely significant if we could have that. He he kind of put fundamental changes in place that uh, could endure into the future. And we wish him all the very best for those years ahead. Jerry Whelan in Rome, thank you very much indeed for speaking to us today.